Hello and welcome to episode 1009 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Friday, February 4th. I'm your host, Paul Sporer, and I'm freezing, Justin. Good morning, sir. I am cold as well. Uh, what do you what are y'all getting over there? I know there's like a nationwide winter, you know, freeze and snow, but what, what are you what are you getting out west? It's it's not as bad. Like I, I shouldn't it's even cold. Complain. Yeah, it's it's I mean but you can complain to me. You know you have a friendly yeah. ear complaining about the cold once it, it, it gets down to like 60. Yeah, I mean it gets into like the 30s and probably high twenties at night and stuff like that. Um thank god I insulated my office. Like uh, oh man, I remember when it wasn't and you used to just freeze yeah. your life. Away. I, I've been up to like two, three o'clock in the morning most nights. Though this week's been a little bit less. Because I uh, having more teeth issues, but uh, oh. it's not as cold as the rest of the country. So everybody, stay inside, listen to a podcast, stay warm. Yes, definitely enjoy some uh, some pods. Off season is hitting that high gear. I know that uh, you know. I consider the the unofficial fantasy opening day to be the day after the Super Bowl, or really the minute after the Super Bowl. You know, mm-hmm. Colette and I always are tweeting out. Uh, you know, happy baseball season the second that hits uh, triple zeros on the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, we're inching closer to it. Now, the Super Bowl is until February 13th this year. So that's a little bit further back. Uh, and I think we've kind of already started. Like, January was one of the biggest Januaries the fantasy community has ever seen in terms of volume of content, excitement, people talking. And that's with the league themselves constantly shooting themselves in the face every day with these terrible labor negotiations. So you balance those two things. Imagine if we were about to have a season that was on time and things were going well labor-wise with this amazing offseason how great would that be but at least the fantasy community is holding the uh the baseball candle brightly right now and i'm really enjoying it man it's been an, a fun offseason uh we got some more fun players to talk about today i wanted to look at uh, some guys i call them leapers guys who could take the leap and what what is the leap it's a bit of a generic thing that or, or a a general thing it's hard to say exactly what a leap is you're gonna know it when you when you when I talk about these players, you're going to understand like, okay, they've reached certain levels, but they haven't hit that next level. Well, a couple guys here were waiting to hit that first level, but namely a, a, a second year player that we'll get into, but uh, we're, we want to talk through these guys. And I want to ask you if you think they can take the leap, can they jump well beyond their draft price? Well beyond what they did in recent years. So let's tour the diamond and do that. I got, I, it's all hitters, but I do have three outfielders. So we have eight total players. Let's start with catching. And Justin, what's one of my favorite things at catcher? A non-catching catcher, baby. You know. Oh, I thought it was going to be Mike Zunino. I hate you. I hate you so much. <laughs> no, not going to be Mike Zunino. It's a non-catching catcher. Uh, they're a great fantasy asset. That's part of why Dalton Varshow is so well-loved. But you know who doesn't get enough love as a non-catching catcher? Is Luis Torrens uh, out there in Seattle. Now, he is a horrendous catcher. Varsho is not very good either. He's pretty bad, but he makes Terence. Terence makes Varsho like a gold glover. He is mm-hmm. so bad. He played 59 games at DH last year. Terence did 35 at catcher, five at first, two at third. By the way, I wonder if he might find a little bit more third base time this year. I know Toro is going to be the primary guy, but I wonder with Seager out and not having that every single day lock on third. I wonder if we'll maybe a few more sprinkles there for uh, Terenz or if he just stays I, DH first base. I think he could. Um, I think it's more he stays DH in first base. But Me too. But it'd be fun if, you know, uh, lighter eligibility leagues, if he mm-hmm. got in 
five to ten yeah. games, we, you know, we could see. If you're playing, if you're playing Yahoo, like in season, there's you know a chance with the five eligibility. Or I mean, I remember I played in my my original home league was like a one game eligibility. Like you yeah. play yes. that one game in season, and you got to move there. I remember, I can't remember who it was, but like there was some like I think it was like Troy Gloss or something like that. Like short. In he played like an inning a catcher or something like that as an emergency catcher. Oh my catcher god! One year and That'd I got to like, and it was like in May or something like that. So he um, had the whole rest of the year. It was like the whole rest of the year I got to use him as a catcher. Um, See, I, I like one eligibility, especially in deep deep leagues like onlys, because even though it can create some fluky things, and some people are like, "Oh, that's that's stupid." I'm like, those leagues are so tough, and there's like nobody on the wire in onlys that I re I really like the one game eligibility in only specifically or deep deep mixers but again for this year even if terenz earns eligibility you're not moving him he has catcher mm -hmm. eligibility. he has the one that you need and you leave him there but for next year i don't think he's going to get 20 games at catcher so i would want the third base eligibility for 2023 but he quietly hit 15 homers last year with a 243 average. Now it was a 299 OBP, so sub 300 there. You really hate that. But the power was impressive. 47 ribbies and 39 runs in his 378 plate appearances. Projections uh, like him to be pretty similar. Uh, the counting numbers are down a bit, but that's relative to the fact that he's got about 50 to 60 fewer plate appearances in these projections. But the overall numbers are pretty similar, except for a... 239 batting average from the bat x four points down from there so they think not not too much difference but the 26 year old i think can jump a level personally that power there if he can find you know it's not even that he has a wild strikeout rate Luis Torrens has a 26 percent strikeout rate last year 25 percent for his career that's manageable I feel like he could push 20 plus, uh, like, yeah, 20 plus homers. That'd be another five on what he did last year. If he's playing a regular DH uh, and just uh, turning loose as a hitter, I don't know. I think, I think a, a 2060 season is, is here. That's, you know, 20 homers, 60 ribbies. Batting average, I'm still going to lean toward the lower end. I don't know that he's going to make a huge leap there, but I think Terenz should be going way higher than he is. He is the, 30th catcher since january wow. 1st he was 18th last year with those numbers that i gave you i think he's at least gonna repeat if not take a leap so how do you feel about luis terenz and is he somebody that you feel can can make a leap and again leap just means from where they're at so even though he is a lower tier catcher we would just be having him leap into a mid-tier catcher so where do you have terenz ranked and what's your outlook for him this year I have him ranked 24th uh, right now, so a few spots below where you're at, uh, but above where ADP has him. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are some questions about his paths to playing time. That being said, the guys who are blocking, because right now, like, Ross Resource has him in a short side platoon. Uh, okay. And so, I mean, that you look at that and you go, ooh, you know, backup catcher, short side yeah. platoon, other places – you know, maybe gets to 300-plus plate appearances. But then you have to look at the rest of the roster in Seattle, and you go, what do we expect Kyle Lewis to be, right? I mean... With that health, man. He just... He, he's never he's never been able to really stay healthy. Uh, Mitch Hanniger has had a plethora of injury issues in the past. So, uh, some fluky ones, though, so hopefully he can stay healthy and not yeah. uh, tear his 
sack again. Yeah. So, so we were talking about it on a live stream <laughs> so the other day, and somebody bad, is, uh, and I think Dave McDonald was all like, you know, it's it's not like that's gonna happen again. Like it's it can't happen again. I and sure so, someone, don't hope not. Someone in the chat's like, well, technically it could happen. Again. I mean, He's that's got the, one more. That's the unfortunate uh, thing is that it it could, but let's mm -hmm. freaking hope it doesn't yeah. for Hanniger's sake. But yeah, with Terence, so you're saying you know DH with Cal Lewis, mm -hmm. can he hold it? Um, you know, Ty France can move around. He he's going to be an everyday player, I believe, but he can move first, second, yeah. third. Because I'm not I'm not a huge Adam Frazier guy, so France could play some second there. Frazier sits on the bench or bounces around to the outfield himself. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of movability, uh, flexibility, I should say. So I think Terenz will get his his PT. Yeah, I think the biggest issue for Terenz is his. his you know, shoddy defense in other places. Like, are they going to trust him? Like, how much do they value his defense? Or is he going to be stuck at first base and mm -hmm. in DH? Um, because if he if he's stuck at first base at DH, he needs either someone to get injured where Ty France can move to second, um, or he needs Kyle Lewis to get hurt. Now, those aren't huge obstacles. So unfortunately, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I would project probably 350 plate appearances for him. Okay. Kind of double down. last year. So yeah, close. double down kind of what he did last year, which was 15 home runs and, you know, a palatable average at catcher. Um, and, and then hope for more. Like there, there's obvious upside for trends to like, you know, really break out. Um, uh, if for some reason he was able to find like 450, 500 play appearances. Yeah, I, I think we're in lockstep there with Terenz. We're going to take last year and be fine with it if that's all we get as our C2. But Luis Terenz has that raw power that can really send him into a a pretty strong catcher season because, you know, the thresholds aren't really too high. Notice mm -hmm. neither of us are particularly concerned about the 243 average um, or even the sub 300 OBP. Obviously, I wouldn't want that in an OBP league, but I don't think that that's a... a complete impediment to his playing time because of the power that he delivers i think they might still be uh, looking to play him so mm -hmm. luis Terenz, 26 one-time prospect catching uh, not his thing unless he's made some big improvements in the offseason that we're unaware of but can definitely hit uh let's talk first base this is a guy i've really uh grown keen of uh, fond of keen keen too i don't know but uh nathaniel Lowe. Remember when he came over from Tampa Bay, there was a lot of excitement. Uh, finally, Nate Lowe has been freed. And I feel like it panned out. And yet, I'm not seeing the hype that was there when we were so excited about getting him freed. He had 18 homers, 8 steals, 264, 357, 415 line for Lowe in Texas. He was the 17th first baseman last year. You know, interesting little power speed combo. He's got a bit of a neutral platoon, so he doesn't really get crushed by lefties over his career. And he's been a bit better on the road. That's not terribly surprising because Texas is not an amazing environment to hit. But I got to be honest, I'm, I've been starting to warm up to Lowe a bit. Um, actually, something happened with my first base ranks here on our page because the ones on my sheet here do not match i am 20th on here but he was down to 24th or 25th even on my uh uh on, on our ranks here on patreon by the way those are all updated with mine and we have a column for who's higher between us you have the adp column on your side so you have low at 28 though nathaniel low at 28 <laughs> i think that's too low yeah, I need to come up on him a little bit. I did a little bit of a you know deeper dive 
on to low uh, for my first base ADP uh, market report column that came out on Tuesday. Um, and one of the things I came away impressed was, uh, you know, one of the main issues with low was that uh, his swing was so long, he really had a hard time catching up to high heat. Um, mm-hmm. And he made, you know, some, some small changes that, re, you know, in summer that resulted in a ni- over 90% contact rate in the zone, um, which is huge for a guy like that. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, and so, like, I think, I think these are pretty legitimate changes, too. That being said, um, he puts the ball on the ground way too much and continued to do that after August when he made those changes. So I have a hard time, even though he can smack the ball um, and he's making a ton of contact, which is amazing, he's going to have a hard time getting you know, home runs out of that, especially in that park if he's going to put the ball on the ground in, in the manner that he does. Uh, so... Is that think, a boon, boon to the batting average, though? You, you trade off a little yes. bit of the pop mm-hmm. for some for some batting average for low. I think in, in some ways he could be like, and people are going to hate this name, but kind of like a prime Eric Hosmer. Um, who, right, I hate it. Yeah, who Thanks, like I hate it. made a lot of contact early on in his career, stole bases, hit just enough home runs. So like, I don't know that he's ever going to be like a 30 homer guy with the way his, That's you know, fair, with the ground ball, right? Um, but I think he could hit 20 homers and steal, you know, five to 10 bases and put up a pretty decent average. Uh, and I, I, that, that plays, I mean, that plays yeah. big time. And so I, I think he's, uh, I think he's a really interesting guy. Definitely needs to come up from 29. Um, and you know, now that I've done that deep dive, uh, let, let's do it live. Let's figure it out. We'll do it live. So, uh, all right, I'm 28. Um, so let's see. Definitely jumping over Brandon Belt, Dahlbeck, Sano. You got your boy uh, Belt pretty low, too. Uh, injuries, man. I just don't try. I know. To stay I know. Um, I'm going to jump him to 20. Hey, that's where I got him. Um, and steal the sword ability from you no problem so that way i can uh let's see da, 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 and do that and so now he's gonna be 20th he's gonna be right in front of ty france and uh right below trey mancini um so i'm uh I, i'm definitely in on low now uh, after you know, and I love the name change, right? He went from Nate to Nathaniel. To Nathaniel, you know, adding a little formality to it. I like um, it. I feel like you know now I can see him like in a tux <laughs> on game days type thing. So uh, he went mean, that, the, uh, that, just, Sorry, go ahead. You go. You go. You go. You I was go. gonna say that Rangers lineup. It's not good by any stretch of the imagination yet, but it's getting better, and it's, it's been substantially gonna, improved. It's gonna continue to get better. Uh, the park is, you know, still, uh, you know, a pitcher's haven, um, which is still taking some getting used to for me. But, uh, I, I, you know, I think the the RBIs, especially because he's probably going to be hitting behind Simeon and Seager, uh, should be there. You know, probably not a ton of runs, but I think he could be an asset. He could hold his own in power, be an asset in stolen bases, 
um, and and kind of maybe even be an asset and batting average, which is great because I don't know if you saw this tweet. Um, uh, I think it's John Anderson, J O N like P G H on Twitter. Uh, he tweeted out like uh, how many stolen bases you can get per round in, uh, from using ATC projections. Um, in a 12-teamer, you know, using NFPC ADP. Okay. And I added to it, and I showed how many players you could get sorted by ADP that stole 15 or more bases. There's a total... ATC has a total of 33 players this year who are projected to steal 15 or more bases, which... And, and most of them are... Team. Yeah, and most of them are going in the first, like, you know, four or five rounds. Like, exactly. you don't get... You know, you don't get your speed early or you need to supplement your speed you know guys who chip in you know eight stolen bases like load uh loaded last year uh, are going to be really important that's why i love guys like that um because of those those extra chip-ins at a non-speed position uh for for nathaniel Lowe, and i believe in it by the way tidbit i found this week and i've been banging this drum on watch out for globe life be careful for Semyon and seager and whomever else you might like there caveat Careful for Semyon. Maybe not so much for Seeger and Lowe. You good? Went down the wrong pipe there. I got, yeah, I, I, yeah. I got you covered. Yes. Uh, just making sure you're all right. No, no, you're fine. I'm just making sure you're all right. Um, globe life, new globe life, not as difficult on lefties. Actually quite neutral. Flat out like? 100 park factor sitting 15th in the league. Um, it dips way down against righties. The home run park factor for lefties is a 102. So hmm. that's actually a little bit above average. So maybe don't ding Seager as hard or even or even our boy Nathaniel Lowe, who we're discussing right here. But I do think the righties still do need to take a hit, including Semyon, uh, 93 home run park factor there for righties. Now, they only have one year, right? Generally, park factors go off of a three-year rolling. Um, they don't have enough for that yet, right? Um, I, guess it, I guess they have two years, but I can't do the three-year if there's only two years of data uh, because they played there in 2020, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's where all the playoffs were. I'm an idiot. So anyway, I will say though, that Seager isn't necessarily a pole guy when he, uh, when he hits home runs, like he, he, he is goes that off. only for, I mean, yeah, I guess that's, that's fair that it, a lot of it is pole related. Um, listen, I, I don't know where I'm at on. I don't know that I'm necessarily drafting Seager, regardless based on the way shortstop is and him going to a much, 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 much worse team. But I wanted to point out because I've been so hard on mm -hmm. uh, pointing out Globe Life's shortcomings since I discovered that split, I wanted to at least point that out there. So I know we're not going as hard on lefties. I know we're on a tangent, so I'm going to keep it going. Yes. Simeon's one of those guys though. Like I've been seeing him drop quite a bit in drafts. And, like, at some point he becomes a bargain just because he is, like, the po poster boy for being an accumulator. Like, at Absolutely. some point, like, obviously he's not going to – like, we didn't think he'd hit 40 home runs again if he stayed in Toronto, right? Like, correct, correct. Um, and we'll so, it's, down like, that. he starts heading into, like, fourth, fifth round area in, um, in a 15-teamer. Like, at some point we got to be like, hey – He's, you know, I mean, he's missed, like, a total of, like, 10 games over the last, like, four seasons combined. Like, 
Like, that's it. Like, he plays every day and just racks up plate appearances. Check out this range for Simeon from since the, the new year. 14 min, 59 max. Yeah. Obviously not touching that late first round min. 59 for a max pick on Marcus Simeon. Puts him right there in between George Springer and Alberto Mondesi. Now, obviously, Mondesi is definitely a team build type of player based on whatever you're doing. Uh, so I don't think he's a, a great one-to-one. What about versus his former teammate, George Springer? If he's down there at that pick, who do you like at pick 59? You're on the clock. No team needs is specifically. You don't necessarily have an outfielder. Who are you going, Semyon or Springer? I think I'm going Semyon. One. I think I am too. uh, Like plate appearances alone, like I feel like I can at least. Yeah, I can at least say that Semyon, you know, has – uh, a likelihood that he could get 100 to 200 plus plate appearances more than than Springer. Yeah, it, it, Springer exactly. may be in a better situation in terms of leading off uh, or hitting high up for the Jays, but at, at some point those those uh, plate appearances really matter. So Absolutely. I haven't drafted Simeon. I don't think anywhere this year. Um, maybe maybe I did an F pads. I can't remember, but. Um, he hasn't gotten I, that far down for me yet. If I if I get yeah. into a draft where he falls down there, I'm pretty sure I took him in a draft before he signed. Um, so I don't think I've drafted him anywhere since he signed. But I'm not opposed to it. I think people, especially as the relief pitching market starts to push up, mm-hmm. and the starting pitching market will push up as we get into March. It always does. And it's a um, guy like Semyon who will be the beneficiary yeah. from that by falling down yeah we're gonna see a lot of first baseman fall uh simeon fall guys like seager um you know who, who are good hitters but don't steal bases like we're gonna see a lot of those guys fall and i think people uh smart people will uh jump on that a little bit so might you say that the hate's gone too far i i might say that i might say you that. might say that shout out we'll, 06 shout out 06010 we love that phrase mm-hmm. Uh, among many of their isms uh, from over the years, but yeah, that's that's a good call out because I've been I've been tough on Simeon because of that park and team context change, but if the market starts to move down with me, it becomes a different equation. Right now, my biggest beef is paying full price for where he's at. But if you start to put his ADP with a five at the beginning, fifty something, I'm in. Yeah, and I mean, I I do have a little bias, you know. I want to say that up front. I've been a Simeon guy absolutely, for a long time, absolutely. So, but, yeah, this this has um, been a pro Simeon show uh, if, for years. If he can hit twenty eight home runs in Oakland, I don't think he's going to have a problem hitting twenty plus twenty five plus in Texas. So that is a, that is a fair uh, fair call out as well. Uh, you know, it's not like he's never been in a mm-hmm. difficult park, and I think maybe and now and now he's going to be on a team that steals more than any other team he's ever been a part of. So. And, and I agree with that. I know some people have pushed back on that being a, a cover for like the power production losses of like maybe adding, you know, upwards of 10 more steals and stealing 25. I think that's possible. I really mm-hmm. do. I agree with you there too. So that's another good call. So yeah, good Marcus Simeon tangent there. Um, if we keep pushing him down in the market, I, I, I become a lot more interested. Well, quickly, since I got it, let me just mm-hmm. see where, what, what were your ranks here? You have him. At second base, you have Semyon fourth. I have him mm-hmm. fifth, so we're very close there. And at short, you have him seventh. I have him sixth. That's interesting that we are one apart on each one, where yeah, where each of us is higher at one category. So we're pretty close on Marcus Semyon. Keep that price dropping, folks. Oh, by the way, 
have you had any updates or any updated thinking on Max Muncy? Because I decided to go ahead and rank him. No. I I mean, I, I have him ranked. ranked. You've ranked him 12th. Wow. I have him, like, super, super low. Um, yeah, I saw that, 36th. I have not had any updated thoughts on Max Muncy. I still feel the same, which is until we see him playing um, and, and really see him playing for at least a week, right? Like, I, I'm not going to, like, as soon as, like, I see him, oh, he look, he's in a spring training game. He played two innings. Everything's fine. Until <laughs> yeah. we see him, you know, really play, you know, for, for like, a week straight. And, like, I'm not going to raise him any. And I'm not going to draft him at all. Like, I mean, I was in a draft recently, the Battle of the Podcast draft. And, like, it's a 15-team draft. And I want to say, he, like, he was still around in, like, round 30 or something like that. And I still said no. Like I'm just, I'm, he will not be on okay. any of my teams. I think there is a reasonable chance he doesn't play this year. And I think the I, fact I don't think that's out of pocket to say. I understand yeah. that that was the concern I had, but I just I I didn't have him ranked anywhere. I decided to rank him more, uh, a bit more optimistically than I I thought I might. But that that's where I'm at. I I, I kind of put him in the similar spot for all three of his positions. That's Max Muncy that we're talking about. Yeah. There. And I think if, if you're playing in like a 10 team league um, or you're playing in even a 12 team league, like with a lot of either reserve spots or IL spots, I think you can make the argument. It's worth the gamble, right? No because, doubt. I mean, when he plays, you know, and plays a full season, you can pretty much book, you know, 250 average, 30 home runs, multi-positional exactly. eligible on one of the best teams in baseball. Um, that being said, if there's, a, you know, the majority of leagues I play in are NFPC, you know, you don't have an IL, you know, shallow rosters. Um, if you're playing in any sort of situation like that, it's just not worth the gamble. Um, exactly. So especially if you're playing in a draft and hold, I think some people be like, oh, in a draft and hold, I got 50 other spots. You you cannot you don't want to you can't spot. drop those guys like yeah. those guys who get injured like you can't drop them off your roster when when they finally declare them out for the season and so uh, I would not risk it with Max Muncy as much again another one of these guys who's been one of my guys I really love Max Muncy uh, as a player but I just I'm not going to take the gamble I'll let someone else get that kind of payday if it does end up working out but ultimately I'm not I'm not very confident well. Yeah, I'm definitely nervous. I don't, I don't know that I'm necessarily drafting him either, but um, I did rank him. And again, Patreon ranks are updated, uh, available for everybody. Uh, just any any Patreon supporters got somebody who said, you know, hey, uh, is there a Patreon? What's the difference with that and uh, Fangraphs membership? I understand it's kind of a double a double thing. They 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 aren't the same. This is just Patreon's kind of its own one off to support mm -hmm. the podcast. Um, I am putting stuff on there, but it's not like I'm like saving all the good stuff for Patreon. I just want to have some extra stuff up there for y'all that are supporting because I really appreciate that. Obviously, we, we're we're very grateful that people are finding an additional financial uh, way to to give us some love. So that's why I've been putting up little articles, and they're they're quick hitters. They we're talking like 500 words and lower type of deal. Um, and we do the recording for those that want to watch it. Mm -hmm. Just little things to kind of make it better. If you want to support, support the site at large, Fangraphs membership is still the way. Totally understand people that don't want to do the Patreon, but it's a little extra thing to also support the pot. Just yeah. a little, little, little clarity there. Um, all right, moving on. Our next guy here, we're going over to second base. I know we both like this guy, but we really haven't talked too much about him. It's been since mid-November 
that uh, that we spoke about, Luis Urias. So I wanted to bring him up on Milwaukee as somebody who could be a, a leaper for sure. He could definitely make that leap. We saw a big jump forward last year, right? That was so you know we started getting these semantic terms of uh, sleeper and breakout and leap and all that. I think we can define it pretty clearly. He broke out last year, right? He set a new level. Um, he had been meandering a little bit, nothing to show for anything of Luis Arias's first three samples of 53, 249, and 120 plate appearances. That's why we call those small samples that are hard to glean much from because coming into last year, if I told you he was going to be a 111 WRC plus with 23 homers, 75 ribbies, might have been difficult for people to comprehend like, well, how? Because he's been so crappy as a major leaguer. It's like, well, there's not a lot to take from that. He needs a full season to see what's what. And he had a nice, nice year. I think there's more for the 25-year-old. You know, uh, I've been banging that Urias drum since the AFL when I saw him. My comp was a, a little bit of a Jose Ramirez-type vibe to him. Not not a one-to-one. -one. It was really just his size and the way he got to his power was similar. He's not a switch hitter. He doesn't run as much. So the, the comp is not perfect. I probably shouldn't even keep throwing it out there because I don't want it to uh, seem like it's a it's a one to one. He doesn't run like that really at all. Contributes a few five stolen bases last year, but that power I think can keep rising. And where I really think Urias could make a leap this year is with the batting average, um, where maybe the power stays pretty similar. In that uh, you know he had a one ninety six ISO somewhere in the one ninety to two ten ISO range, but maybe upwards of 15 to 20 points of average in a in a leap season because he had a 280 BABIP last year hitting that 249 mark 20 percent strikeout rate for Luis Arias I think there's more here he's 25 years old I'm bought in where do you stand on Arias can he make a leap this year yeah I, when you first started talking about Arias I was like yeah I don't think there's a leap I don't I don't you know, but then you mentioned that you could take a leap in batting average, and that I agree with. Like that, um, that's the big spot for me. He makes very good zone contact. You know, right around league average or above. Uh, we know that he that was his calling card in the minor leagues. Um, now I think he sacrificed a little bit of that contact to raise the ball because I mean, what he did last year was you know, change his launch angle by over 10 degrees. And that's where the power that's came big. from. Uh, uh, and, you know, and it, it dipped in the middle of the season, but then he, then he climbed it back up, you know, kind of gradually throughout the season. So I think that there is a reasonable chance that the 20 home runs is here to stay. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, you've got to love the triple eligibility uh, for, for Urias. Uh, and then, you know, he's playing in a good park. That lineup is pretty darn good. Um, yeah, and I think there is some flukiness to that Babbitt. I think he makes good enough contact and, and maybe another year working at that launch angle, yeah, actually get a little more comfortable and, and make even more contact. Yeah, I think there's lots of reasons to think that – I don't think there's more power coming. I don't think there's more speed coming. I think that is kind of who he is. I think he's like a 20-homer, five-stolen base guy. But if it could come with like a 280 batting average, that'd be huge. Yeah, that that could be huge. And I mean, this is a guy that was largely projected, you know, from scouts and prospect guys to be, you know, a batting you know title contender. Um, you know who else was right? You right? 
No, Roger know. Ramirez. Oh, <laughs> the guy yeah. I comped him to. And that, that, that's you know that's where those comps came. Was like again the the size comparison, the way they look. You know, they're smaller guys, mm -hmm. uh, both in the five nine range, uh, squat type. You know, fire hydrant types. And when Ramirez came up, you know, and he had that speed component. That's like I said, where the where the comp really breaks down. But he was a batting average type dude in the minors. And remember, Lindor had the much, 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 much higher ceiling. Ramirez was not seen to be a, a superstar potential, just like a kind of strong contributor type. But then he started to find that power and hit that next level and became a beast. Like you said, Arias probably not hitting another power level, at least not this year. I could see it down the down the road, but for this year. Give me the similar power, but with a batting average spike into the 270 plus range. And I think that would deliver a nice leap in uh, overall value because he's going to be part. I think that lineup's going to improve this year. It underwhelmed last year. You know, we think Milwaukee, they're a good team. They had a good lineup. They actually had like half of a lineup uh, because yeah. with Yelich flopping, uh, they were in and out on other positions like first base until Telez finally solidified there. Lorenzo um, Kane, Kane was injured most Kane of the year. Kane wasn't playing. Yeah, so they were up and down with the lineup. Adamas came over and killed it. Urias broke out. But other than that, it was mixing and matching, and different guys were hot at different moments. But the overall lineup, they were carried by pitching far and away. They were 20th in OPS, 27th in batting average, 18th in homers, to give you an idea. But I think they'll be better this year. Um, I like the Renfro pickup we talked about, Telez for a full year, and I think Arias can can uh, receive some dividends from that in, in the form of his runs and ribbies too. He had 75 ribbies, 77 runs. If he pushes those into the high 80s with a batting average spike, that's the leap from Arias, not necessarily power. I, I right. wonder too oh, yeah, if go ahead. Arias could find his way hitting higher up in the lineup. Like exactly. That's a good call hits. too fifth and six and I almost want a guy like that as a table setter hitting second um like I know they've got Adamas but like why Adamas can't hit fourth um, or just bump everyone down Adamas third Yelich fourth Renfro I think fifth. I think they want to keep the lefty righty lefty righty um, oh yeah, yeah 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 that makes sense so but I, I think you know I mean Urias walked at a, a double digit rate last year if he continues to improve that contact like I think you could see you know, him kind of move into that two hole, Adamus move into the four hole, and then you, you, you've got a pretty sweet lineup with, you know, Wong, uh, Urias, uh, Yelich, um, and then uh, Adamus, and, Adamus, and then Renfro. And Telez. Dude, I like Narvaez too. Then all of a sudden, Narvaez and Kane at seven, mm -hmm. eight, there aren't big expectations on them, but they can mm -hmm. both hit. And then all of a sudden, you get the deep quality Milwaukee lineup that that we've seen uh you know back when Yelich was cooking and and they were a balanced team instead of just a pitching heavy by the way I didn't say our ranking we actually have a dead even for Arias at 22nd at second base both of us um at or no wait that's at shortstop pardon me at second base we have Arias I have him 20th you have him 16 16 so I am lower there and then at third base I have him 15th and you have them 18th. What I need to do, and I need to do this soon, is um, consistency check for multi-positional guys to make sure I don't have a guy ranked ahead of somebody at one position and then behind them at another position where they both qualify. I have to be careful of that because sometimes that happens. Yeah. And I wonder if that's happening at second with Arias that I have them all the way down at 20th. That's surprising to me. Probably. Because uh, I have them lower than I do at short. Do you have him? Or no, I don't. But 
I do have him way low at second. Yeah. I, um, I mean, uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll Brian Rodgers. I, I don't know. Like, do you have, do you have Rodgers ranked higher on your shortstop? Of, of course I do. You know I do. Ugh, so gross. Why would you – explain this Colorado. to me. Colorado. Colorado. I already explained it. it. No, it does, but it does, doesn't make sense. It really doesn't because we're both – we're probably both projecting to hit the same amount of home runs. Uh, you, for Arias and Rodgers? Yeah. For your, we're talking Brendan Rodgers and Luis Urias, right? Yeah. So we both we probably project him to hit around twenty home runs, both, right? Yeah. Okay. So Rogers is already hitting two where you want Arias to be, and he's in the best but, park in the history of the world. He hit two eighty four last year. But they'll probably get the same amount of runs in RBIs because. Uh, so, so you're making my case for me. Continue. Uh, be, because Milwaukee's a better lineup. You know, Rogers but, gets scores. Yeah. So, but then. Rogers already has the batting average that we're hoping Arias can take. But so I'm already there. Urias steals bases and has triple eligibility. Steals bases, he has five, and it's double and eligibility five versus is, triple. Five is better than zero. But it's also not a guarantee. When you're that low, you you know that five can disappear. He was. He's gonna you know, get a handful. He's gonna bro, get five. He, I mean, he probably will, but he can get two or three. As triple well. eligibility to you is not, especially at third base, which is such triple a eligibility talent. versus dual eligibility. I'm not, I'm not that moved by it. You just hate Brendan Rodgers. Keeping my eye on you. Yeah, I this do. One, this one's. Gonna I've burn raised him. I've raised him up. My. It's not going to burn me. It's absolutely it not going to burn. Me. It is. It's, it's not. Brendan, Brendan Rodgers. 26th is, at, Brent, at shortstop. Brendan Rodgers is just Cesar Hernandez hitting in cores. Okay. And I, I you say that, that as a bad thing. It is. You're bad. just greatly underestimating the value, of course, on when when somebody's a quality hitter. It can't make a nobody into a good player, but Brendan Rodgers isn't a nobody. And, and then you got to build an injury risk. I mean, that's kind of like I, I don't think I need his entire to. career. No, no, I don't think I need to build it in because I think I think I'm. It's already priced in there at pick one sixty. I feel, I feel like you're missing something here. I, no, I feel like you are. Should we get your glasses checked? <laughs> You're ridiculous. All right. Well, that's enough Brendan Rodgers talking. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. We, we, we figure he's away. clearly not on the potential breakouts list. <sighs> he should be, though. He could take a leap for sure. All right, uh, next up. Oh, a, a, a Mason favorite from yeah. years past. One, uh, was, one troll guy to another. Yeah, it was, you know. I remember when he had that that little spike and everyone went crazy with Dansby Swanson making him like a ten top ten shortstop and that's when you really had your uh, your heel turn on Swanson because mm-hmm. the price was just through the roof. You're like that's insane, and you were right by the way uh, mm-hmm. because he was not you know he was not ready to take that leap. Um, he's been somebody that we've been thinking could maybe take a leap for a few years in the fantasy community. We've been seeing glimpses. He had the breakout where the injury kind of derailed him, and then um, he had the slow start and finished strong. And then 2020 was pretty good for the 60 games, but it's only 60 games. And then last year, I think it was another slow start that he had to rebound from. But he ended up with 27 homers, 88 ribbies, 78 runs, 9 steals, and a 248 average. Can Dansby Swanson take a leap from this, or did we just see what's ostensibly going to be his best season? He'll be 28. Uh, let me tell you where he finished last year before you before you get into your answers here. He was the 13th shortstop. How insane is that? We have that ranked. Is I, isn't that nuts? I have 19. You have him 20. So we're in lockstep with where we have him ranked. And then the market has Dan's B. They're low on him too. At 17th. Okay. okay. 
So everyone's down relative to where he finished last year because he was 13th and, and he, us and the market says, nah, shortstop's too deep. We want to go lower. Is there more here? Can he put it all together? Can he pluck the batting average from last from 2020 with the power from last year, with the uh, extrapolated speed from 2019, which he had 10 steals in 127 games, and he does that for 160 games, and it's, what, 13, 14 steals? Can he put it all together? Or, again, did we just see his best year in 2021? What do you think about Dansby Swanson? I think we probably have seen his best year in, in 2021. Um, that being said, I don't know that that's a bad thing. Like you said, he finishes a 13th shortstop off yeah. the board. He's got wiggle room. Um, and the one thing that could be kind of a plus for him is, depending on if they bring back Freddie Freeman or not, he could find himself batting at the top of the lineup or near the top of the lineup again. Uh, which I think you know could potentially give him an opportunity to kind of bump up those runs scored. Um, do, you, do you think? Uh, sorry to interrupt. Just I want to hit on that point. D does he not hit first if Freeman comes back? In your estimation? No, I don't think he does. If Acuna's back and Freeman's back. Well, Acuna I think is is the bigger key. So mm -hmm. I think it would be temporary either way. But if Freeman's back, doesn't Freeman just go third? Riley fifth. Or Riley fourth, Ozuna fifth, and then Swanson Albi still go yeah, one yeah, yeah. So I'm saying if it's Acuna, yeah, I think the combination of the two is, uh, you know, and it depends. Like, I mean, we, I think this goes kind of to the the Acuna argument that uh, some people are in the industry are having because he's going first overall. Like, do the Braves want Acuna running? And if they don't want him running, do they put him like third or fourth? in order to kind of clog up the base paths in front of him. Just put um, him in that more power. Yeah, we, we've seen yeah. it for years, right? These power speed guys come up and they become – or they start as like speed power guys where their speed's the carrying tool, and then they start to wither that speed away as yep. they move down the lineup into the more uh, run-producing mm -hmm. spots. So, yeah, I mean, do they say, hey, listen, we want you to take it easy coming back, especially because it seems like it's coming back so quickly. So I think there are a lot of question marks about – the Braves lineup, you know, absolutely. You know, how many other players are they going to add to it? Where are they going to fit in? And that leaves a lot of question marks for Dansby Swanson. Uh, you know, the most important stat for him last year um, is one I, I don't necessarily usually mention with him, and that is the amount of games he played. He played 160 games oh, last 60. season. This is a guy who's had trouble staying on the field for the majority of his major league career. Um, mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I kind of faded him coming into last year in 2020, uh, he showed some health, which is great. Um, I don't know how comfortable I am with him continuing to keep that up. I mean, he is a very good defensive player that throws his body around. Uh, yeah, that's part of why, too. Yeah, good quality shortstop, just laying it all yeah. out there. I mean, he previously had never played in, you know, his you know career high had been 144 games. Uh, you know, in 2019, he played 127. I feel more confident projecting him for like 130 to 140. Um, you know, and so I think there are going to be some steps back. That being said, he's being priced for those steps back. So I think he is a fair price. Mm -hmm. uh, if you miss out on some of the other, you know, premier short stubs, uh, I think he's a really good gamble this year. Uh, I, I hate to say it. But I kind of like Dansby Swanson. Well, in fairness, it was always price related. You were never like anti Dansby Swanson. 
it was price related and it was also um you know for those who were kind of dynasty guys it was the fact that this pool was going to be thick and like exactly. we could see this coming for years um and people were getting really excited because James B. Swanson was a first overall pick he was dealt in a massive trade and I'm like I don't know that he's ever a top 12 shortstop and that's not taking anything away from him no. it's just there's so many good players at the shortstop position, and I've been right. Like even in his and best season last year, he was thirteenth. He was thirteenth, and it was a fantasy versus real life standpoint too, because he would rank high on prospect mm-hmm. lists because he was a number one overall. Because he plays a true shortstop, like he's going to be in the league for like you know, barring catastrophic He's going to be an all star caliber player for ten another plus seven years. years. Yeah, yeah like right. he's been in the league for six. He's in, I think, another six or seven easily if not more based on the way he plays short and he'll eventually move down the defensive spectrum so i agree with you there but um he is intriguing and i agree he's a good miss out guy like if you did miss out on some of your some of your picks if someone jumps willie adamas ahead of you and you were thinking like i could wait because he's behind uh swanson and adp and then you get in a league with justin or i and we take adamas out from under you or Mm -hmm. arias then you can go to swanson i also love swanson as an mi if my if my mi is dan swanson i'm like Hell yeah, because I'll take last year with a little, you know, regression, but I'm also getting uh, some upside that Mm -hmm. things could all coalesce into, you know, uh, last year plus some batting average and six more steals or five more, you know. So I like it. I like Swanson. Um, I do think that there is leap potential here, but I'll take what he did last year and be fine with it. All right, we got some we got some outfielders here. Let's start with Harrison Bader. It's been a. Whoa, it's been a oh yes, whoa, whoa. yes. We, we skip in third. Oh base? yeah, we did. Oh my god, I'm so right. sorry. Oh, I'm don't, so sorry. Don't go for my troll guy and then skip over my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how dare you? You can't. By the way, you can't have everybody. Okay. I I will have everybody. You will not have everybody. everybody. I'm ranked higher. I have Cabrian Hayes ranked higher than you. I just wrote him up. You don't get everybody. Cabrian higher than me. Whoa. I sure do. By three spots. Cabrian Hayes. Three is our, spots. Our third baseman. Hey, it's nine versus 12. It, it, it's up there. That the Three spots wow. matters when you start to get up that high. No, no. I wasn't I wasn't mocking you. I was saying, you know, I was surprised you have Cabrian Hayes I'm, in I'm your big. top 10 at third I'm base. I'm big on Cabrizi. Part of it is the. He's the no longer my guy. I have handed the mantle over to you. Thank you. He is your guy. Cabrizi, Cabrian Hayes. He was in my, my breakouts volume one here. Um, the thing I think people are really sleeping on is that speed. Mm-hmm. And I know you can go look at his sprint speed. By the way, we got to stop just using sprint speed as a counter when somebody believes in somebody's steals. Jeff Zimmerman did the work. Sprint speed is not the best correlation to look at. It's 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 not unimportant, but it's it's not a prereq to stealing bases. The the real dirty truth of it is if there were no injury concerns, a major swath of the baseball community could steal 10 to 13 bases just on talent, like a, a knowledge of stealing alone, like smart base running. There are tons of guys out there that you wouldn't think could steal 10, 10 to 12 bases that can do it just because it, stealing is not just about speed. And so Cabrian Hayes is not a burner, but he's always graded well on speed components because he's a smart base runner too. He's 10 for 11 in the majors so far, 20 steals per 600 plate appearances in the minors. And I know he hit the ball on the ground a lot last year and he had a bad year in 96 games. The wrist and hand injuries 
ROI as far as I'm concerned. I don't think he's a ground ball guy who's going to struggle for power. I think that was the wrist and the hand impacting his hitting. 25 years old, the only thing I hate is that the market didn't do their normal overreaction to a rookie not popping off because they kept his price pretty high. He's only dropped, Justin, like a, a round off of last year's price down to 139.80p. That's my only bummer on Cabrian Hayes, but I don't think that's cost prohibitive. I'm willing to pay it, and I think Cabrian Hayes has a chance to take the leap this year and possibly be like a 280-2020 type guy on, on, on a you know high-end breakout. But I think he can be a Brian Reynolds type. And we worry about the runs and ribbies on a team like that, understandably, because at its core, Pittsburgh obviously is a bad team. But speaking of Brian Reynolds, he went 90-90 last year. The year before that, Starling Marte had good runs and ribbies. There's always a guy or two on that team that can go high. And I think Cabrian Hayes can be that guy along with Brian Reynolds this year that's pushing 80-plus runs and ribbies with the chance to be 90-something there. So I love Cabrian Hayes, 25 years old. I think the breakout's coming this year, and I'm willing to buy up for it uh, as uh, third baseman 11 in the market. Like I said, I got him ninth. You have him that 11th – or no, you have him 12th. So you're right there with the market. Um, again, you like him too. What do you think of Cabrian Hayes? How, did I sell you? What's How did my case look? I think your case looks fine, and I mean, I'm 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 with you in certain regards. I I have them a little bit lower, and it kind of depends on how you value a kind of a tier of injury prone guys, right? Anthony Rendon, Chris Bryant, um, Justin Turner, Bregman, yep. uh, like those are kind of the guys I have kind of right above Hayes. And then Lemayhew uh, should be in there too after last year's injuries. Yeah, Lemayhew is in that in that grouping uh, as well. My main issue with Hayes is not the lineup. I think people keep pointing to the lineup. Oh, you know, but like you said, Reynolds was fine. You know, he was went ni- yeah, went ninety ninety, and I think that lineup's gonna get better unless they trade Reynolds. Which I mean could happen if they if if a team like the Yankees or something or, or a center field needy team goes, yeah, uh, a center field needy team goes, like hey, you know we're gonna give you a mint for a guy who still I think has four years of control in Reynolds, um, then yeah, of course that that would hurt, but I think this Pittsburgh lineup's gonna get better. You know they're gonna we be adding we, O'Neill Cruz. Yeah, we already sang the praises of our boy O'Neill yeah, Cruz. They got, got Cole Tis- Tucker love. Yeah, Tasugo's back. Cole Tucker. Yep. There's some people who are really interested in Greg Allen and Anthony Alford. Um, like you know, hyped Alford with us mm-hmm. on the uh, 1000. And I think, and I, I was talking with Dave McDonald. He's he's kind of excited a little bit about Greg Allen potentially getting some run there. Uh, I think this is this is not going to be the worst offense in baseball. It may. Be one of the worst pitching staffs. Oh my god, um, it's unbelievable. It, the, the park PNC cannot save this staff. Let's mm-hmm. just be clear about yeah, that. But yeah, absolutely. So I, I love Cabrizi. You know, I, I got a little pushback on him in my breakouts column, and that's fine. By the way, I love I love the interaction, but I do think that a lot of the pushback was too focused on just what he did in 2021. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that an 88 WRC. I'm not going to sugarcoat last year, but the hand and the wrist injuries are why I'm I'm not you know, wiping it away and saying it doesn't count, it doesn't matter, but it explains why he had a 56% ground ball rate and he couldn't get any freaking lift with a 116 ISO. I, I, my only issue with that is he's been kind of a low launch angle guy previously. I'm not saying Um, he's shooting up to like a 220 ISO. Yeah. I'll take a 180. 
I don't he, need like I I want to, I'm looking for 20 homers this year. And I think that is in the cards. I, I honestly think he could have um, a similar line to Luis Urias with a, a lot more speed. Um, so a guy who, you know, hit somewhere between 260 to 280. Yep. Um, Trades you know, some power for the speed, I would say. Yeah, low 20s home runs, and I think he could steal 20 bases. So yes. like we're, we're talking about a guy – um, yeah, he's only third base eligible, uh, which is fine because third base is kind of scary. Crap. I'm talking to myself. I'm I'm moving. I'm moving Hayes up because I because you loved so, him coming in. I you did. Even... I I I was one of the big guys on him last year. Yeah, um, we both got, bought in and got uh, burnt. Uh, yeah, you know what's crazy? Okay, t- riddle me this: Why is Alec Baum getting obliterated in the market the way we normally see overreactions to flops? He's down at 287, and Cabrizi avoided it, and he's at 139. And they had the same flop. Well, because it wasn't the same flop. The, the, I mean, uh, Hayes' flop though? was injury. I know. Baum's flop was performance. Wasn't he hurt, too? He only played 115. Oh, I guess he got he sent got down. Sent down. So he got sent down. But he only played 15 games down there. That's only 130. Where's the other time, Justin? Or was he just benched? I don't know if he got. I don't sure he got actually benched. know if he got hurt. I'm, a, I'm I, asking I, more I, than. I, on, I honestly don't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna look it up. I, I ended up having to drop my 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 shares uh, Boom. Are so. you are you back in though on Boom at the discount now? I think I am. I, I mean, I think the discount's worth it. Uh, um, COVID. I mean, COVID took him out mm-hmm. for a few days. No, it's it's not that. So he had to just been benched. For those for those games, so okay, you're right. So that is a key difference, by the way, performance versus yeah. And injury. I think that's, however, that's the main difference. However, is that worth 150 ADP points? No, no, no. Obvi- obviously, it's not. And I mean, is you know, it's super small sample, super super small sample on Alec Bohm, but he did come up and finish the year in the majors. Um, mm-hmm. We like you know, that. So they gave him another chance. Um, you know his his minor league numbers were fine, not much power, but yeah, you know, hit for average. I'm Bohm's an interesting guy. Like I, he's dirt cheap, dude. Yeah, like it doesn't take much to try to be back in on him if you like Alec Bohm. Yeah, you know, I wish he still had the first page eligibility too, but uh, you know, I'll take it at third. I think, especially like in a draft and hold. I'll take the gamble because I think they're going to give him a chance for every day at bats, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, this is a guy we were super stoked coming in on uh, last year uh, that just fell flat on his face like young players do. You know, yep. what do you always love to say? Prospect growth isn't linear. Isn't linear. And not um, my own phrase, by the way, got that from Ron Chandler. But uh, okay. uh, I, I love I love that phrase because mm-hmm. it's so it took so long for me to realize that, too. Right. I always yeah. felt like you had to do the stair step. And if they didn't, I, I was floored my brain couldn't handle oh he went down and then back up yeah it can be an ekg it can be the nice little uh, escalation it can be down 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 shoot to the moon there's so many different ways you got to look at the core skills and try to make your best assessments and then you got to try to factor in the health i'm looking back at my last year's third base ranks and by the way they're embarrassing because of where i had uh austin riley (laughs) holy smokes and i know he was like a major major breakout but I didn't realize because I was an Austin Riley guy dating back to when we saw him at Fall League 80 billion years ago, I would have thought I was in on him. 
but his major league samples were pretty poor coming into last year. And so I had him down at 24th. I was like, if you don't mind taking a poor batting average, it seems like 30 homers is a lock. That's actually not a bad write-up, to be honest. I actually yeah. feel pretty good about the write-up. I don't love the 24th ranking, yeah. Um, especially when I had Bohm and Hayes 17 and 18. I am not going to look up. Where yeah, I yeah. Don't, like, it, 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 it'll just it hurt can't your be feelings. good. Yeah, it it'll just it'll good. just hurt your feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, sorry to tangent there on Bohm, but I do like him on a buyback just because he's he's so dirt cheap now. But as far as Hayes, I think he can take a leap. Power and speed. Don't be afraid of Pittsburgh there. They they can facilitate a couple good players, and I think it'll be Reynolds and Hayes. Uh, I, I We like Sutsugo. I know you, you got me on the Tucker train a little bit. I actually took him in a league. I uh, picked like 506. Uh, so, you know, that's that's a little hat tip to you. Hopefully he's your said Mullins this year and, uh, and does some things. Yeah, I, right. I like how this is the leap episode, and all we're doing is leaping from tangent to tangent. <laughs> That's every episode, though. Let's be real. All right, let's leap into the outfield here and talk Harrison Bader. We last spoke about him quite a while ago on a pod when we were talking outfielder debates on December 8th, and you had him down at 97th, and I said, you got to move him up from there. You did. It was a live move up. Um, It's been been a good while since then, nearly two months, uh, about four four days away from a two-month period. Where's Bader now currently? Before I get into some numbers, let, let me get your ranking before we dive into everything. Uh, I believe I have him 64th is where I have him. I'm double-checking. Okay. That. Uh, 65th. 65th, yeah, because um, I'm 22 spots higher than you. I'm at so 43. I've definitely moved him up. I moved him up a good 20, 30 spots from where I initially had him. I think I can make the argument to potentially move him up a little bit more I don't know that I'm going to though. Let, let's let's see, let's see where you, where you come out after we uh, after we dive in here. So Harrison Bader last year ended up as the 67th outfielder. So in line with where where you had him, and that was thanks to a 16 homer, nine steal season with a 267 average, 50 ribbies, and 45 runs. He only played 103 games. There was health there. 401 plate appearances. Not bad though to be the 67th outfielder in 401 plate appearances. The big key for me cut his strikeout rate down to 21% far and away his career best. This was a dude who was tracking in the high 20s, low 30s for his career. He was a 29% guy coming into 2021. So we saw a jump there. Now, Justin, we did not see a corresponding dip in swinging strike rate. However, that doesn't necessarily mean that the strikeout rate improvements are fraudulent. In the case of Bader, I think it means that his previous strikeout rates were tracking a bit high for the 10, 11% swinging strike rate that he had. The general shorthand, now this is for pitchers. I don't know if it correlates the same for hitters, but you take a swinging strike rate and it's between two to two and a half X as a general strikeout estimator for pitchers. If it's different for hitters, someone please let me know but operating as though it is similar, then he probably should have been more in the 20 to 25 range instead of this 29, 30% range that Bader was living at. So I tend to buy some of these strikeout gains. The power speed was already there. We saw 16 and nine in 401 plate appearances. He's an everyday player if healthy because of his elite center field defense. I think he's even a candidate to move up in the batting order perhaps. It's not a guarantee. I don't think he's going to start the season leading off. I think Edmund's going to get another shot. But if Edmund doesn't get the OBP up, I think he and Bader could flip. I think there's some big, big Bader breakout potential. Not quite to the level of O'Neill. He's not as skilled as him. But I think he's got a lot of skills where he could be a, you know, 
25-20 breakout type. 25 homers, 20 steals, breakout type for Harrison Bader. What do you think? I guess I can see that path. I don't but, really buy but it. But you're not enamored with him. No. So I mean, part of the strikeout drop um, came from the overall approach. So what did Harrison Bader do last year differently? You tell um, me. He got aggressive. He started Good. swinging 5% more uh, of the time. Um, you know, inside of the zone, he swing. Uh, like about 6% uh, more, which actually led to a drop in his cold strike rate. Um, so part of that... So there was some passivity that was leading mm -hmm. to some of that high strikeout yeah. rate, which kind of goes back to my point about the swing strike rate mm -hmm. not really correlating with such a high yep. K rate for Vader. Exactly. And so, you know, I think part of it is he got more aggressive. He went, I'm tired of watching these third strike calls uh, you know, you know, hit the corner or hit hit the inside of the zone because I'm being too passive, and we saw that play out in his walk rate. Right, his walk rate drops from around 11 percent to around six percent. Um, which if he continues those gains, I, I think he can kind of keep, you know, uh, you know, some of those gains. It's not going to help his on base percentage though. True. Um, which means I don't know that he's going to necessarily move himself up the lineup. Uh, you know, and he, you know, cause in spite of the fact that, um, the average went up, the on base percentage actually went down. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, um, he almost shaved the walk rate in half, like you said, for yeah. Bader. Mm -hmm. However, counter to that, as he gets more comfortable and more dangerous, maybe the patience comes back in the form of, of necessary patients where they start pitching him tighter. I think part of the thing that was driving his walk rate too, was batting eighth a good bit in front of the pitcher so he was getting pitched you know uh very cautiously not getting anything to hit as he started to move up the lineup a little bit seven sixth uh things changed a little bit so you know it's not that his obp was sky high 324 here's the thing though it was still a good bit better than edmund's 308 you know and that's mm -hmm. that's what i'm saying there it's not necessarily that bader's going to raise his obp through the roof but if edmund doesn't get on track I think he and Bader could still flip spots there and Bader atop that lineup would be huge. So I don't know, man, you know, I'm a sucker for power speed. I mean, who isn't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not unique in liking power speed guys, but I love those outfielders that can, can really deliver. I've, I've pushed Lane Thomas pretty high in my rankings. Uh, Harrison Bader, Robbie Grossman, they all kind of live in a little cluster there in my mid forties. And I think Bader could be, I think Bader could be a stud this year. I think he could kind of, Almost be the Tyler O'Neill again, not quite to the same heights. That's why I'm reluctant to invoke that name. I don't think he's going to go 34-15, but I think I think fewer homers, but more steals could be in the cards for Bader, pun intended, because that's the team he plays for. The cards, get it? <laughs> um, yeah, I think that if he can maintain a full time role, and I don't know that there's a reason why he shouldn't. I think he can definitely do that. Yeah. His so defense he, is too great in center, I think, to get him platooned. Yeah. Well, and I mean, he was kind of a platoon guy in the past, right? Mm -hmm. So, well, that's he when he couldn't hit. In the, but he was actually a reverse platoon split guy last year. Yeah. Yeah. He um, had a big spike against righties. He had never been over 696 mm -hmm. for an OPS against righties. Last year, 789 for Bader. Yeah. Man, this, this lineup is so right handed. 
it, like it, it, it cold. I mean, it's almost all right hand except for two switchies. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd be interested to see are they going to bring someone else in? I don't think Bader would be at risk, but you would think that they might bring in a lefty. Uh, Problem is where? Like DH, I don't know. Shortstop. I think you know, DH, they, they, especially if the talk about Paul DeYoung is like that he's going to be kind of back to his old self after working with this new hitting coach. Um, uh, I think it was Jason that was talking about that uh, on, a, on a recent pod and he sent me a video about it. It was really cool. Um, nice. Maybe, maybe they should have gotten Seager. Yeah. Maybe he had been the right, the right fit for them. Yeah. Too late yeah. Now, obviously, it doesn't, doesn't do him any good to say that now. I know. I'm just, I'm trying to think of like who they could bring in. Um, because like yeah, Nelson Cruz is a righty, yeah, and like um, Conforto's an outfielder, and outfield mm-hmm. is locked. For, I mean, I guess Conforto could DH though, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of DH, they need yeah, a lefty yeah. DH, is what then they maybe Conforto's the play because he's a by low too. And they, you know, they they don't always go out for big dogs, sometimes they they splurge, but uh, I think maybe that's the play is, yeah. is to is to find is to find somebody there, um. You know Freeman, they're not going to get obviously, and uh, anybody else who I don't even know who else is out there as a lefty besides Freeman and oh Schwarber, maybe Schwarber. Schwarber would be an interesting fit. I mean, definitely could. You know, you want him DHing more than likely, considering how good those other outfielders are. Exactly. But I think Schwarber is like a kind of a perfect fit there. I agree. Schwarber, Conforto, or they go cheap and just get Jock Peterson to platoon with somebody. Oh, there you go. I think, I think like, that, I think that is a Cardinals devil magic kind of move. Right yes, there. it is. That, and he, and he hits 30 somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, just, and just, start stealing. Like with those steals we thought we were going to get when he was a rookie. Like, he, <laughs> you know, not only does he, you know, the Cardinal devil magic hit 30 home runs, he also steals I, 17 I, bases and babips his way to like, a 275 batting average. Like. <laughs> that would be the Cardinals double magic working overtime, dude. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you want to follow suit here, but my outfielder rankings do include the UT eligible guys. And the reason I did that is because the uh, vast majority of them are essentially outfielders uh, at different leagues. Otani, Reyes, Cruz, Gavin Sheets, JJ Boudet, those are the uh, UT only guys at the NFBC. I just included them in my outfield. You don't have to. I noted it. That's on a really the, good idea. I'm, I might actually do. That. I just thought it was the because you know we do the 2020 game. I, I don't want to do like a, a UT only rank. It, it's like not worth it this year. It. Yeah, last year there was like 15 guys. Yeah, eight of whom were studs. Mm-hmm. Well, JD and Alvarez and Stanton, they all got outfield eligibility um and then like i said i just put the other guys in there so if you want to add them they're in there and uh, let me know and i'll put the little notification okay. uh, that, that i have under my name under yours as well for includes dh eligible guys all right so that's bader um can i get you to move at all you, you keeping him at 67 or 65 mm. that's a little light but i you know let's talk about somebody here real quick i think why, i might why is josh in- rojas ahead of him you think Josh Rojas is better than Bader? Putting aside the triple eligibility, because that's—I know we love eligibility, but does, is that? I'm enough? gonna keep Bader there for now. Okay, but I'm gonna also rework. I think my outfield ranks this weekend. Okay, um, okay. because yeah, there's some there's some guys like probably Rojas needs to come down. I think I prefer Bader over Canha 
and maybe over Blackman. Yeah, because I, I think he's going to run more than both those guys. That was a big key mm-hmm. difference for me with them. And I like both of them, and I have them. Um, I have Blackman 56. And Where did you say Bam you have Bader? I got Bader quite a bit higher. I got him at 43. I'm not expecting to move him up there. Whoa. But that's, I got those power speed guys up there, man. I think that yeah. they're, they're game changers. Yeah. I see you moved Lane Thomas up a nice bit. He's up at 56. I like that. Yeah, I did move Lane Thomas up quite a bit. Going to be leading off in Washington in front of, you know, Juan Soto. And, um, yeah, I think think he's going to. Not only does he, like, fit geographically for the next next Cedric Mullins because he's right there Mm -hmm. where said Mullins was, but so much of what you liked about said fits Lane Thomas. Like, it's Mm -hmm. kind of an easy next said Mullins not that he's gonna go 30 30 but to get hyped on him you were looking for a guy who was leading off mm-hmm. with power speed on a crummy team yep bing bang bong he hit all three of those when he came over from the cards so I'm a big Lane Thomas guy mm-hmm. I really think he could pop off so all right um and again live rankings and you you've put out several runs on the website I've only put out one I'm gonna put out another one yeah. on Fangraphs. but our live sheet is always updated you can do a one dollar Patreon like anyone who's on the Patreon can get the rankings sheet um so just if you sign up for that you'll find the link and those are always being updated i know both of us are in those pretty regularly all right let's move on to another guy that uh, years ago you weren't so keen on him i don't know how you felt since he moved to boston i know when he was a dodger there were some concerns about alex Verdugo. maybe even some things that lingered a little bit off the field in terms Mm -hmm. of sort of the company mainly off the field issues yeah there there were some some concerns about perhaps you know get caught up with the wrong crowd it can affect your on the field um Maybe moving away from L.A. helped him there. I don't know. But uh, he's been really good with Boston as as a Red Sox. Not a Red Sox. I don't care. I'm not saying a Red Sox. That sounds so stupid. He's at 294, 355, 440 with 19 homers and 10 steals in 825 plate appearances. That, of course, combines 20 and 21. Last year, he went 13 and 6 with a 289 average. So kind of bland there with the uh, counting categories, but that batting average is so clutch for Verdugo. And then of course, don't sleep on the fact that he scored 88 runs, drove mm-hmm. in 63, ended up even with just the, what did I say? 16, 13 and six for homers and steals. That was still enough to get 32nd among outfielders because the average and runs were so strong. Can he take a leap though? Can we see either more power more speed or a full season of 300 batting average. There's a few different avenues here. It doesn't necessarily have to be some big power growth, but he's flashed some pop. He had a 181 ISO with 12 homers back in 2019. That was in 377 plate appearances. This year it was 130, well, a 138 ISO for those 13 homers in 604 plate appearances. So what's your outlook on a 26-year-old Verdugo? Um, let's see. I've got him. Got him ranked forty uh, second, so actually one spot ahead of Bader, mm-hmm. and that's actually two spots lower than you. You've actually passed me on Verdugo. You have him fortieth. How do you feel about a potential leap here, or, is, or have we? Is he who he is, and we should just be happy with that, or is there more for the twenty six year old outfielder Alex Verdugo? Who I don't know that there is like a big leap. But maybe some little leaps. Okay. Um, but those could all add up into a big leap. Exactly. So, I I mean, 
I feel like he, I, I can project him to hit 290, 300. Yeah. Um, like, I feel like that, I feel like the, the 289 we saw last year was kind of like the floor almost for him. In terms of <laughs> it seems him. crazy to say, but it like, does. it's not the actual floor. Of course, things can yeah. bottom out, but like. He is a batting average asset. I really, really like Purdue. You know who he is? He feels like like a premium David Peralta. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I comped him earlier on in his career to kind of like a prime Melky Cabrera. Yes, I remember that. And I think that's actually better than my Peralta yeah. comp. So, and I mean, for those of you who don't remember, like Melky Cabrera was like a 17-homer guy in like uh, – Melky eater- took a leap. Eight or nine, yeah, yeah, he did take he a lead. Yeah, with a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, pharmaceutical help, but yeah. Prior prior to that, he was a really good batting average guy because he made a mm-hmm. lot of contact. 17, 18 home runs, seven, eight, nine stolen bases, and I think that's kind of who Verdugo is. I, I think I pretty much nailed that one in terms of you know kind of early early career comps. You know, ninety one percent zone contact percentage last year. So he makes a ton of in-zone contact. Um, you know, I don't know that there is a huge power gain coming because, like, he just doesn't okay. lift the ball enough. Um, I mean, he had, like, a 28% fly ball percentage last season, some something right around there. He does have times where he smacks the ball a little bit. So and He maybe, muscles up, but he's not a consistent – Verdugo's not yeah. a consistent power guy. I think he kind of is one of those guys, like, if he wanted to hit for more power and sacrifice the batting average, he probably could. Like, he probably could be a mid-20s homer guy, but it would come at the cost of his contact, and he'd be hitting, like, 260. And then he's kind of boring, right? If he's hitting 260 with 22 home runs as opposed to 290 with 17 home runs, I think – I prefer uh, the beastly batting average personally. Yeah, me too. So, um, yeah, he's one of those guys that – I had kind of ranked a little bit lower, and the more and more I thought about how much that betting average helps, uh, the more and more I kind of got on board. I haven't gotten him anywhere this year, but uh, he's definitely not someone I'm shying away from. Me, me neither. I will take Alex Verdugo. Let me get you a market price on him, by the way. If I wasn't, if I didn't make it clear, by the way, uh, Brian Hayes was 11th among third basemen in the market. Mm-hmm. Bader was 62nd. Thank you, man. Sixty uh, second among outfielders, so you're closer to the market on Bader than I am for sure. I'm way ahead of the market, and yeah. then for Verdugo, he is forty second, which matches mine. But we're we're basically yeah, in, we're right there, even yeah. there. So so we're in line with the market. I think he's such a boon to get, especially if you fell a little short on average. It happens all. Uh, plenty of times to folks you, you don't plan to fall that far behind and then all of a sudden you take a few power studs and you're like crap my average is tough there's a little life raft in the form of alex Verdugo, and he's not just empty batting average gonna throw in a little bit of pop a little bit of speed but a crap ton of runs you know what i think you could really do is hit 310 with 100 runs and then even if he just did 13 and 6 again that'd be a top 25 outfielder I'm actually thinking about moving them up quite a bit. Right I think now. I am too. Um, I am too, dude. I'm, I'm looking at my ranks. And like I said, I do have to kind of rework my outfield ranks. But I'm maybe, thinking maybe about... Maybe a weekend project? Yeah, I think it's going to be a weekend project. But I'm thinking about moving up into like the 30 area. Um, so, yeah. I, I'm thinking... 
The only problem is, like, what's the reason he doesn't play all the time? Does he just get nicked he's up? Left is handed. That, is left handed. Uh, is that what it is? But I don't know that. I, I, maybe he got. He's still up. getting 600 play appearances. Yeah, in that's the thing. Like, he's, game. he's a good like, defender. Like, I, I don't even think he's really a, a platoon risk. No, he didn't get hurt last year. It might have just been, you know, just spotting guys. Yeah. Oh, he he had a few knickknack injuries. A little hamstring that was a couple oh, days here. A little back that was a little couple days here, and then the hamstring flared back up for a day here, and then a little back that was two days. So it was a little knickknacks of just sitting out for a couple days. But he played 146 games, 604 plate appearances. You know, Alex Verdugo is a beast. I, I'm I'm moving him up. Um, I, I'm 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 right there with you. I'm I'm bouncing him up. You know who I'm yeah. moving by. This guy used to be similar to him, but then his power took off. I'm going to move him by Jesse Winker. Yeah, I think mean, that's kind of one of the guys I was looking at moving. I have Winker at 29. Um, and I was I'm still going to keep Winker higher because his power's there and he hits for the average, but I'm going to put Verdugo just behind him personally. I'm going to put him two spots below him. I'm going to move him up to it'll be 31. Uh, and um, that'll put him just behind Miles Straw and Jesse Winker, and in front of Mitch Haniger and Lord Esguriel. I think we're we're very similar again, still with mm-hmm. those guys. You know, I, 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 you don't have a hard out, right? We talked about that. Earlier. No, no, no. I want to hit another tangent here, real quick. Okay, let's ha- let's let's tangent it up. Let's leap. Let's to the leap, tangent. Let's leap into another tangent. I think we got to talk a little bit about Trent Grisham. Um, just as a what? general thing, because I'm starting to see some market pushback. Well, uh, let me not overstate that. I got a couple comments about it. Uh, it's not market pushback. But I, I think there is some uncertainty about him in certain pockets for people of like, should we be betting on on Trent Grisham like kind of fully? Like, I had him up where you had him. I In mm-hmm. my recent update, I moved him down a good bit based off of some study of like, he hasn't proven as much. I still like the talent, but there's platoon risk. I actually ended up moving him down healthily, 13 spots down to 38. You've got him up there at 25. I do. And that's, you know, that's kind of betting on the come a little bit from Trent Grisham. It was a, it was a disjointed season last year. There's no two ways around it. San Diego started hot and faded. That's, I believe that's kind of the trajectory of uh, Grisham season too, because uh, yeah, 894 OPS in April, 902 in May, 877 in June, and then 526, 776, 611. I could have just done first half, second half, 849 versus 630, but I wanted to put 9,000 numbers in everyone's head while they're trying <laughs> to pay attention to this. But anyway, Trent Grisham fell off in the second half. Injuries have been a problem. Um, you know, a 20, 25th ranking for somebody in outfield whose peak right now is, you know, 15 homers, 13 steals. And then a 242 average. I'm okay betting on the come with guys, but is that who you want to stake stake your claim on? Is is Trent Grisham? You're like, what do you what do you see from him that gets him to 25th based on uh, what we've seen so far in his career? Can you oh. sell me on him? Is basically what I'm looking for. I'm not I'm not necessarily anti. Like I said, I was up right where you were, but then I moved him down due to some concerns about the fact that we haven't seen it. Can you sell me that it's coming? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it depends on where he's batting in that lineup. Honestly, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that lineup is so good, um, and he did bat first a lot. 
Wait, um, and you then think the had, lineup's good? I, I've been seeing some. No, this is stuff I have been seeing on on Twitter about how it's bad, how it what? dies off after Machado, Grisham, Tatis, Cronenworth, Machado, and then the second half is Hosmer, Myers, Profar, Austin Nola, and Nomar Mazzara. Well, now, I'm. I don't know that they're done, but I, they're not. And Vlad tweeted it out, and he was like, "What's this lineup?" And I was like, "If the lockout was wasn't going, I think we'd already see another move or two. Yeah. But are you sure it's as robust as you think? Because even if I you mean, add one guy, but that's there, what I mean. All he needs is that top half hit in front or hidden behind. Oh, for Grisham's like that, point, yeah, yeah for sure. Grisham. I was I was just addressing in general. It yeah, overall. it's it's not as strong as we thought it was going to be coming in last year. I mean, I still think that. Myers is gonna be a, a Myers type guy. Myers is a solid number six. Yeah, let's be honest. You know, I I hope that Kim is gonna take a step forward. Like he's one of these leaper guys that I'm hoping uh, to bet on. Been, maybe we can do a late round leap, like guys that are like 300 or later. Mm-hmm. Who can Because I, I love Kim. Uh, yeah, I don't think Mazara plays for that. But anyway, sorry to derail about the lineup. Grisham, power speed. I love it. We've been talking about these yeah. power. Speed I think guys. he can be a 2025 guy. Um, okay, leading off. You know, in front of all those monsters that we were just talking about, uh, and you know, which means you know, hundred plus runs. Um, you know, yes, is it is it betting on projection? Absolutely, it's absolutely betting on projection. And maybe twenty five is too high. Maybe he deserves to be in kind of that Verdugo tier yeah. as opposed to being up higher. The problem is once you get past like outfielder number twenty to twenty five. There's a huge drop off. Like the difference between, um, and I'm just, I'll, I'll just reference my ranks in general. Okay. The difference between really 19, like I think 19 for me at Tyler O'Neill is the end of kind of the elite tiers of outfield. Then you okay. have like kind of an injury tier of Byron Bucks and Springer, Stanton. Um, you know, with Brian Reynolds and Tommy yeah, Edmond. The, the questions in. become a lot more prominent once you hit that point that you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I feel Uh-oh. super uncomfortable after my 19th outfielder. I think that's fair. I think that's and fair. I think you. I think even those guys in that top 19, you know, some have some real serious question marks. Like, right? Is is Tyler O'Neill? Can he repeat what he did last year? Um, uh, Eloy Jimenez coming off of injuries, uh, Judge coming off of injuries, JD Martinez is you know super old, older, uh, but I, I don't really have questions about him. I don't either. Castellanos, like what's what happens? Where he's what going? Is he gonna, where's his park? Like, um, you know, Mike Trout injuries, uh, like, uh, you know, Jordan Alvarez, he was healthy last year, but I mean, arthritic knees, like almost everybody in the outfield, like from top to bottom has concern of some sort. Like I say let's meet in the middle on Grisham. You you bring him down a scotch, I move him up and we and we we meet in the late twenties. Uh, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna hold him right there for right now. Okay. Okay. Um I may move him past Edmund, but I really want to rework that whole thing because like like I love Christian Yelich, but like I, what is Christian Yelich? Like the report a, a we got superstar sexy man. Wait what? The, the report we got recently was that he was technically healthy all year last year yeah which means is he just reverted back to who he was in miami prior to the breakout um yeah with massive ground balls and not you know not running as much as he used to and um 
like you know Kettle Marte, like like I I want him to be good and stay healthy. I don't trust it. Dalton Varsho is a catcher, so who knows what happens there? Um, Jesse Winker, like I love what we saw last year. Huge breakout, a guy that I've not been in on the past. That uh, it's all about but, health with him, you know. But can he stay healthy? Is he going to get platooned at times? Um, Miles Straw, like yes, lots of speed. He should play every day in Cleveland, but he also like you know is a little kid holding a bat up there sometimes. So mm-hmm. like. Do pitchers end up exposing him? Mitch Haniger injuries, um, you know, Austin Meadows. Like, there's all these guys are, like, huge question marks. So it's like, I think, and this is a hard part about doing ranks, right? Especially in yes. these positions that are so large, not necessarily from, like, a talent standpoint, but just in general, there's a lot of outfielders to rank. Yeah. A and lot then, of it, there's huge tiers, like, huge tiers and, like, you know. Bob's um, baby. Yeah, huge globs. You know, we see this in starting pitching. We've talked about it in starting pitcher for, for a long time. I think we're seeing this now in shortstop, too, because totally that agree. is such a huge, thick position. At some point, like, the difference between ranking Trent Grisham at 24 and ranking um, – uh, I'm, I'm looking for someone – you know, ranking Ian Happ or Austin Meadows 35-36 or even going farther than that and talking about, like, Michael Brantley versus – Jared Kalanick and like at 47, 48, like these aren't huge gaps. They seem huge because the numbers change yeah. a lot. Hey, that, but, that's what we always talk about with these clubs. And that's yeah. why uh, you're, you're stressing that exact point that I try to stress with the pitching, just because a 40 point, 50 point ranking split feels colossal. Could I, could you not make a case that my 78 Michael A. Taylor is uh, not that far off from 27 Akil Badu? Right, mm-hmm. like, are are they so different? Well, I'm betting on the guy who's 23 on the come up I mean, on my favorite team. Just versus- talking about two guys we've had on this episode and Trent Grisham and Bader. Like, I don't know that there is a huge difference between those. Exactly. And I have Bader in the 60s and Trent Grisham in the 20s. Like, yes. I, and so I think you know maybe it, it, we need what to- you mean by difference. By the way, sorry to interrupt. It is by core talent. But we make yeah. the soft factors. You you like you like the lineup better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is going to be batting one for the most part, Grisham, mm-hmm. at least to start. Um, you know, maybe you like his power a little bit more. So we start to use those soft factors to be kind of the the, the but ultimately, Yeah, but ultimately, like I'll probably end up with Bader on more teams, and I will Trent Grisham because he's going later because of the price. Yeah. Um, and so I think this you know, kind of turns into a discussion about how we're attacking the position as a whole. And I want to try to get one or two of my guys from my top 20, maybe even three of my guys from my top 20. And then I typically wait. Like I will probably not end up with a ton of the guys who I have ranked 25 through 40 because I'm just going to wait until, you know, somebody falls way past where I have them ranked. Um, and I will grab, you know, around pick 150, 160, 170, maybe another outfielder or two. And that often has turned into Anthony Santander, um, like Austin him. Meadows, uh, you know, guys like that where I go, no, at this point he has become too much of a value. Now I'm going to get my fourth outfielder, my third outfielder, my fifth outfielder. See, like that's that. what I always so, worry about too is overstacking outfield too early because there's so much appeal there with those guys. But then it comes late, and I'm like, I already have three or four outfielders, and there's like eight 
outfielders I like here late. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful spacing it out. And and that's why, you know, checking out the draft flow, you obviously can't map out your fucking mm -hmm. 28th round pick or, or even really your, your 16th round pick. But you can get an idea of like where the pockets of value are. And you're mm -hmm. talking about that middle cluster of outfield. Maybe you don't need to spend big on the guys that are going so expensive. That's why I'm not going to buy full price on Tyler O'Neill because I'm going to try to find this year's Tyler O'Neill. So, yeah. And I mean, um, this is, you know, I mean, this is the difference between like early drafts for us at least. And I think for a lot of people who are drafting in December, January, February, we're doing draft and holds, right? We're doing 50 rounds. Um, exactly. And so you don't want to wait as much on the outfield because you get to a certain point in a 50-round draft and hold. I don't care if it's a 12-teamer or a 15-teamer, and it gets barren quick. It becomes a ugly. complete game yeah. of congressman mm. or outfielder. Exactly. Like the guys you're taking, I'm like, mm. you took a fake player, dude. Why'd you do that, mm -hmm. Justin? You're like, no, yeah. he's a real player, dude. He's going to play this year. His name's Ab Stephen Kwan, I swear mm -hmm. to God. Yeah, and then Stephen Kwan's the name that everybody's talking about. Like, oh, you. I think Alex Chamberlain tweeted out something about, like, you there's two types of fantasy baseball players, those who draft Stephen Kwan and ever draft and those who don't. Um, <laughs> so, and I have not drafted Stephen Kwan yet. Um, but Stephen Kwan put people, he, uh, Alex Chamberlain put Stephen Kwan on people's radars. He was, in yep. a, he was a peripheral prospect. Uh, so a lot of people probably learned of him from Alex and, Chamberlain. Back and in Dave, McDon Dave McDonald, my co-host on Friends of Fantasy Benefits. Big Cleveland guy. Big Cleveland guy. And he's big on Kwan this year as well. Um, but as we start getting into the fab drafts and we're starting to see those start to filter in, they really filter in uh, and begin like after the Super Bowl, like you mentioned, you know, at the top of the show, you know, this is where you're going to want to see like, hey, do I like a lot of outfielders rounds 25 through 30? Because yeah. if I do, then, yeah, I'm probably going to skip. And if I don't. I'm probably going to attack them early, right? And exactly. so I think that is still kind of a question that's a little bit up in the air. I, I think that's completely fair. Um, man, I do love these tangents. We start talking about the whole outfield pool. At, I'm at, telling you, it's a tangent large. episode, yeah. It is very tangent, Phil. We got one last guy here who I definitely think can take a leap, and I want to talk about him. Now, the one thing about him uh, with regards to like ranks and everything, we have to factor in Ramon Laureano – still has suspension time about a month so that has to cap his projection just to, to a degree for sure because he can only get so much volume and that's why the projections uh generally are sitting in the low to mid 500s for his plate appearances because he's going to miss that time but i wonder you know we, we saw the breakout in 2019 for sure 24 homers 13 steals 288 average with 67 ribbies and 79 runs for ramon laureano Backslide a bit in, in the shortened season and then uneven season this year. Remember, he was dealing with, I believe, shin splints, which had kind of waves of uh, pain for him where he could steal because it, he was low pain and everything's good. And then, oh, my God, I can't run at all because uh, these shin splints are flaring up. I think, again, I think it was shin splints for Laureano. It, was, it, yeah. it, it made his stolen bases kind of come in clusters based on when he felt healthy. And then eventually, I believe he had a hernia. Uh, that was uh, core surgery was required and his season was over. And then, of course, he got suspended, too, for the PEDs. And so that confluence of events, boom. I'm not sure he would have played even if he hadn't been suspended because of the health. But uh, this just added to it. He ends up with 14 homers, 12 steals, 246 average, 39 ribbies, and 43 runs in just 88 games of play for Laureano. So 
factoring in the missed month, can he take a leap? Can he put pieces of 19 uh, or really just kind of get back to 19 but do it for five months? That's really what we're asking here with Laureano. Do you see more 19 or more 21 from Ramon Laureano? This is a really difficult question. And I have him ranked like I see 19. Okay, um, where do you have him? I have him 42nd. I got him 60. So, yeah, we, we, we kind of have the, the better I think, thing. I think we're going to need to meet in the middle. Um, yeah. Because, you know, and this was uh, this was something I heard on the Rotowire podcast. I, I listened to Scott Jenstead and, uh, and Jeff Erickson the other day because they're my favorite. They're back. Yeah, they're my favorite duo to listen to. Same. Um, you know, Sunday is a must listen. And I, I, and I, I haven't been... Yeah, I haven't been listening to baseball podcasts since like last summer, um, and I just finished a history podcast off off tangent already. Um, and you know they they're much more um, uh, they're much more context down real on... quick. Scott Jenstead, big A's fan, knows them inside and out. Just for the context of what yes, you're about yes. to say, go ahead. Well, the the context is more a matter of they are very. Uh, they, they are not very encouraged by how soon baseball is going to start. They think we're going to miss games in season. Oh. Um, and they seem to feel like it's a, a foregone conclusion um, that we're probably going to miss games in season. And if we, and one of the things I think either Scott or Jeff mentioned is if they miss games in season, that extends Loriano's suspension. It doesn't count right? as, yeah. He, he doesn't get to like prorate it. Um, in the same way that, like, you know, they're prorating pay or whatever for that year. That is, like, I'm I'm not there yet. I, you know, one of the things I tweeted out the other day was, like, hey, you know, don't forget that they put together the 2020 season in, like, two days. Nine like, minutes, yeah. Yeah, like, it, it, you know, if you don't think with an army of lawyers, and in some way, and I got to push back from some people, including people, uh, you know, I'm really good friends with and uh, really smart people in the industry, uh, say, you know, like Michael Govey told me yeah, it's a false equivalency. And it is in some regards. That being said, like I, as an individual person that is not very bro- bright, wrote my 95 page thesis in 36 hours. Jesus. Um, and, and, and got an A minus on it. Right. Um, like did it really well uh, in 36 hours. If you don't think like an army of lawyers can come together in a week and hammer this all out. You're crazy. Like, well, that's um, the thing, though. Too, it's it's like it's all it's all ready to be done. Too, mm-hmm. they're not really as far apart as you know the the, the media. Like, the media is making it out to be because because if the media was writing articles like, hey, this is going to get done, nobody would be reading them. Yeah, they have to portray it as a doomsday kind of thing. Um, you know, and uh, and MLB wants it portrayed as a doomsday thing to try to bring the players to the table. Yes. Um, when it's really the other way around, the players are saying, "Hey, we just want like an raise that keeps up with inflation, and our minor, you know, our, our, our you know young players to actually get paid something, not eat baloney, um, and fucking live, yeah. you know, tend to a house." So, um, like it, it's they're not as far apart as people are making it out to be, uh, you know. And I, I think after losing so many games in 2020, the ownership doesn't want that. So that being said. If they were to lose time, if we were to start the season in May, um, that would really hurt Loriano, right? Because then you've you know you're already cutting off 
30 games on top of, I think it's 34 games he's suspended for, so now the most he can play. Oh, still 34? Dang. I, I want to say, I could be wrong on that. It I, said about a month on the yeah. um the rotowire blurb so but even that, if that even if it's out. 25 or something let's say yeah it still like, hurts that would still be 55 games out of 162 plus he's a guy who tends to get nicked up like yeah. you know out last year aside he plays um, a crazy center yeah he always gets hurt and so he's definitely got a drop in my ranks probably closer to where you're at but i do see a huge path to you know you know potentially like in a full 162 game season, like a 2020 or even like a, a 1530 type of year for a guy like Loriano, especially if he's going to be playing on a team like Oakland that are trading away a lot of their stars, they may just run wild. Yeah, absolutely. And again, if if, if Ramon Loriano is fully healthy, we can see the speed take off. And if he's not dealing with shin splints and things like that, and the core surgery did its did its job there. I love the talent. It was tough to rank him so low. And I knew I was coming in pretty low on Loriano, but you know, the suspension and the the inconsistent play that we've seen made me a little bit cautious on him. But I still really love the player. He's fun to and, watch. I, and I, I am moving him down to 66. Okay, so I'm the market has him at 60. You moved him to 66. I got him at 60. As well, I'm going to hold tight. Actually, I might move him down a little bit. There's a couple guys here. Like, who, who do you prefer? Um, Ramon Laureano, take off your Giants glasses for a minute, or AJ Pollock? Um, AJ Pollock, because the uh, AJ Pollock's a god, by the, the way. Yeah, his issue is again health, same, same mm-hmm. issue, but they're going to add the DH. He's not going to have to play the field so much. I think he's going to, like, you know, be a huge beneficiary of the DH, like, you know, in the National League, guys like him, Kyle Schwarber, Nelson Cruz having 15 more teams that'll, you know, I mean, he's he's, he's in that huge group, you know, Seth Beer in in Arizona. He's one of those huge guys, like, that are going to get a bigger opportunity um, because of the National League DH. And I am so excited. Totally agree. I can't wait. And uh, it's guys like that that definitely excite me for it. Um, all right, that's it. That's our that was our last guy there. Uh, Ramon Laureano capped it off. Luis Torrens, Nathaniel Lowe, Luis Urias, Dansby Swanson, Cabrian Hayes, Harrison Bader, Alex Verdugo, and Ramon Laureano. Eight guys who could take the leap this year to varying degrees. Uh, we had we had our thoughts on all of them with a bunch of fun tangents. Justin, this is the heart of it, man. This is the best part of the year. This the, this prep season, especially. Put your ear to the ground. You can hear the stampede coming because everyone really turns it on day after the Super Bowl. Like I said, though, this year uh, people have been jumping in earlier, but we are still going to get a big crush once the Super Bowl is over. I know we don't talk a lot of football, but who you got in the Super Bowl? I know we'll talk again before then, but it, where, where, where where you come out? You know, I mean. The, the non-football fans can click off now because we're, we're, we're pretty much done. Yeah, uh, I'm super glad about the pairing. Me too. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a really fun Super Bowl. Uh, I feel like the Rams are going to win this game. But every time you bet against fuck, fucking Burrow, um, it's uh, like he seems to just like come out of nowhere. So, like, I'm, I'm just hoping it's a really good game. I think Me it too. could be a really good game. Uh, you know, I had tweeted um, after, I think, the uh, AFC and NFC Championship, like, um, that all but, like, four of the playoff games – were decided by one score. 
best uh, playoff ever. Is, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's and I know the best. we always get caught up in the moment of things and say mm-hmm. this, the now is the best ever. I stand firm. I would need to be proven wrong yeah. that there's it, been a better all, playoff. All four of those games that were decided by more than a, one touchdown were in the wild card, which meant every single game after the wild card has been decided by seven points or less. Um, I'm, I, I just don't know that that the line that Cincinnati's line can keep up with Aaron Donald and the other defenders. So I think the Rams win it. Um, my dad was a diehard Rams, LA Rams fan. And when they moved out of Los Angeles, um, he, he uh, crushed, he, he just, he stopped watching football. Yep. Like he just, um, and so I, I made, I made that kind of comment and the joke. I don't know if you saw it, that I'm sure he is smiling while he's looking up at us. Um, <laughs> I didn't see that. That's so funny. Uh, That's really so, funny. People are like, up. It's like, yeah, no, I don't have any illusions. I didn't, my stu- was, you know. like, I didn't stutter. Yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, I think um, I think it'd be cool to see the Bengals win. They've never won a Super Bowl. Yep. But I think the Rams win. I think it is more than a touchdown. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say, for, for those of you betting, I'm going to say uh, Rams win 27-14. Uh, and but it's a fun game to watch. Yeah, and maybe that last touchdown is twenty to fourteen, and they make mm-hmm. it twenty seven fourteen late. So it's exciting all the way through, and then there's that last tack on touchdown. I'm going to make I, it twenty seven seventeen because Evan McPherson is amazing. It is a beast, absolutely. I showed my my Rams hat. Actually, this is a St. Louis Rams hat. I bought it when they were terrible because mm-hmm. um, I thought it looked cool, and I still believe that. But I've been bandwagoning them for Stafford, right? I'm a, I'm a Lions fan. They obviously made no noise this year. So I've been a bandwagon Rams fan all year, just going for them. Thing of it is, I really like this this Bengals bandwagon too. And so I've been and by the way, this is not like saying I called going to the Super Bowl, but when they won that first game, I was like, I think this team can actually go a couple steps. Yeah, I, I I don't think that they're out of this. And then they go all the way to the Super Bowl. So I like both clubs too. I am going for the Rams though for did Stafford. You, did you see friend uh friend in the industry? Tim Heaney, uh, no. prior no. to the start of the playoffs, put a parlay that the Rams and Bengals would make it to the Super Bowl. $20 to win over 1000 Got to cash that ticket. Let's go. I uh, love that. Tim, well done, he, Tim Heaney. Yeah. Tim Heaney is a, is a fucking boss. Yeah, I, I mean, love Tim Heaney. They're sharp, yeah. by the way, being cute as hell. Oh, In a little bit sure. there. Uh, but yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, I, I just hope it's good. Again, I know not everyone likes football that uh, that listens to our mm-hmm. pod here, but we TGFBI announcements should be coming soon. Been seeing I a bunch of those go out to people. I saw I you wanted to do like an all mats league, but you don't have enough. Yeah, I could do an all Mike's league. I'm not going to. One year I may decide to do you like should. that's really funny. Um, and it may just be like all mats, but like one Steve. <laughs> like you know, like just. Uh, making you know uh, one of these years, uh, or if you could do all Steves, but then also put Scott Bogman in there because when Nick called him oh Steve Bogman, oh my god, that would be amazing! I don't think I have enough Steves. No, probably not enough but, Steves, but that's uh, awesome. So yeah, I've been seeing people that would getting be a really great troll. Excited about their TGFBI invites. We're gonna get those mm-hmm. drafts going. So yeah, it's happening, folks. Listen, I know the the news is bleak with the lockout, totally, and you know Justin and I kind of keep a bit pot. Uh, optimistic hopefully not blindly i mean i know we were blindly optimistic about the dh last year this is a little bit different it's not that i even have confidence in these idiots Uh, i i I don't it's just that i i hope that their greed 
uh, actually plays a role here and they realize how much money they might lose if they continue this bullshit and mm -hmm. they get it done. So I'm hoping we don't miss anything, but I do think they're going to push to miss some spring training to kind of put the put the screws to them and, uh, and, and get their way again from the players. But I just want baseball back, man. But in the meantime, we're drafting. We're having fun. We're ranking. We're writing. You're mm -hmm. doing your market reports. We got tons of stuff. You got friends with Fantasy Benefits Pods with Dave. We got some drafts coming up. Uh, you've been doing your live drafts. I'll be doing more. So there is still good and, baseball yeah. stuff happening. It's just in the fantasy community right now. And yeah, with Tout uh, deciding to do it online, online again this year, I will be uh, live streaming my Tout auction um, and – at least Same, one of my main events uh, I'll Same. be doing live. Uh, I may end up in Vegas. I will so be in Vegas, so my main if, will not be online. Yeah, if my other if if I end up in Vegas, then I will be doing one of the mains there. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. Jen, Jen trying to finagle a Vegas invite. Uh, you I should then 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 they that's then true. Then they Danielle can just, they can go off together. Just go. And do their thing yeah. at times. And I guess I'm, if Danielle's going, it makes it better. Because I'm like, you're going to be so bored. I, I'm, I'm going to have zero time. It's not even like I'm trying to be rude. I'm not I'm not Mr. Like, ignore your girlfriend Because Danielle doesn't like to gamble. That's so like, it's like, I just want to play poker and draft. Yeah. And, but I can't go to Vegas without Danielle. She will not allow this. Because the last three times I've gone to Vegas have been without her. Uh, um, so she just wants – it's not that she doesn't trust you. It's that she wants in on the action. Yeah. But we like a different kind of action. Exactly. Like maybe we can send them. A, we can send them to they can do spa day again. Like you know, chip it out again with Shindu all or that or whatever. And yeah. So I, I just, I, I, you know, I'm just putting it out there in the universe. If you do want to bring Jen to Vegas, that would, you know, potentially make it more likely that I go that to Vegas. You could because okay. Danielle's got a friend outside of. I see of how the, that works. The fantasy sports group. So no pressure on you, but all the pressure on you. Hey, you know what? It's it's not pressure. I don't mind. You know, I'm not doing anything out there that uh, the, the only reason that's ever like, no, you can't go is, be, is because I would feel bad ignoring the shit out of her. But now that I don't have to worry about that, because her and Danielle are they were fast friends. They liked each other. Instantly yeah, they, they, they went in real life. They went to the spa and, yeah. you know, uh, you know, hung out. And so uh, it might be a fit then. I might, I might be seeing each other in Vegas. I think I think it might be there. Anyway, have a great weekend. Stay warm. And uh, what do you got coming on Sunday? You got anybody coming on? I do have someone coming on. You mentioned um, the other day, and I forgot. I'm, my apologies. I uh, and I've forgotten, but I can stall real quick and uh, find it out very quickly. We have Marty Tallman coming on right. from the That's Triple right. A podcast. Let's uh, go, baby. Um, both of you, uh, did you join their Triple Play Invitational? I'm in. I mean, I okay, got, I got so, in that fifty dollars. Yeah, yeah. Well, you and I are both in that with a cool ass cleats trophy. That's uh, very sick on the line. So uh, that should start on Monday. So Marty is uh, a really good guy. I've had him on Potapalooza before, um, and uh, and he's a really good guy to follow on Twitter. So uh, and then we have uh, a couple SB streamer people coming up the the weeks after that. Uh, Michael Simeone on the thirteenth, uh, yes. and Lauren Arbach. Uh, and they're going to be promoting the SP Streamer Guide um, this Wonderful. year. And then uh, I just booked Matt Goodwin, who's a newer guy. Uh, I don't know if you met, uh, mm -hmm. if you remember meeting him in in FPES. Um, really, really nice guy. He was just on the Dugout Study Hall. It's a pitcher list uh, podcast that he does with Alexander Chase. Love it. And he's starting a brand new uh, podcast with Jared Perkins that kind of focuses on baseball and mental health. 
So, oh, uh, okay, that's awesome. Those are the upcoming guests for Sunday uh, for the next few weeks. Excellent, excellent. So check out those Sunday episodes. We'll still have the pitch PitchCon one coming. If you've been wondering about the misnumbered, uh, where's where's one thousand seven? Release the episode. I don't have it yet. I'm gonna ping mm-hmm. Nick. And I'll get that episode that might come out on like a Saturday uh, or early next week on Monday. But uh, look for that in your feed. That'll be coming up if you didn't get to listen to the Fireside Live. But Justin, great talking with me. Another good week in the books. And uh, I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.